I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Comic Sans or Times New Roman? I hear Lucinda's pretty nice this time of year. Well, in today's episode, we'll find out what makes a resume good. Shell and M have looked through thousands of resumes and they know exactly what to look for. And they also know exactly what they don't want to see. By the end of today's episode, you should know what it takes to create a great resume that gets you that interview. And all is not what it seems. Welcome to My Millennial Career. I'm Shelley. I'm a HR professional. Hey, Shell. How are you going? Good. How are you, Em? Good. So I'm Emily and I work in recruitment and customer experience with a business called Foresight's Recruitment and HR. Uh, we are talking resumes and on the way over here, I actually had one of those moments and I kind of need to get it off my chest because I was thinking, right, resumes, how many of these things have I looked at? I've been doing this for, oh, let's call it eight or nine years now, give or take. Yeah, wow. And when I did a quick little bit of maths, you could say I lost count, but I reckon it's in the tens of thousands. I think no I need an way. intervention. I think you would need an intervention. That is a or lot. Some, or a palate cleanser. I don't know. What's a resume palate cleanser? What is a resume palate cleanser? I'm not cleanser. sure. Probably just a holiday. Maybe I'll have a holiday. You are having a holiday soon. <laughs> I am. I am. A well-deserved one after tens of thousands of resumes. I don't think I've read that many. It'd definitely be in the thousands. So based on all these resumes that we've read, lots and lots of them. Lots and lots of them. We've got uh, our top 10 tips, five each, five from M and five from me that we're going to hear today. So M, can you kick us off? Yes. So I'm going to kick us off actually with one of my favorite ones. I've written these in order and I've just decided on the spot right that second, I'm going to jump down to number four uh, because this one I love. And if I could only give you one, it would be it. White space. White space. White space. Yes. Okay. So I feel like I should have paused. When you said white space and then just pause to create some white space. Oh, cute. Yeah, like that. So basically when I'm looking at tens of thousands of resumes, I'll let that go in a second, but I'm still in shock. Uh, There's just something about making it easy. I feel like people are often asking, how do I make my resume stand out? And if I could offer any piece of advice, focus less on making it stand out and more on making it easy for me. So what do I mean by that? I want it to be readable. I want it to be a really nice balance between the text and the blank space on the page. I'd spend more time on being succinct and keeping that format really clean. Uh, don't use Times New Roman, but do use something that's, I guess, a pretty plain font. Uh, and don't worry so much about bold colours or borders. I like dot points and subheadings over paragraphs. It's all about that readability for me. Nice. And I think getting that perspective that as the recruiter, you're reading, you know, sometimes upwards of 300 resumes. Mm. So keeping it short and sharp will be helpful for you because you're going through so many on mass. Totally. And you are writing this thing um, for me. And I'll, I'll touch a little bit more on that in um, another sort of top tip. But 
I'm even, um, I guess what I'm doing is in a few seconds, quite literally a few seconds, I'm not even working out if you're in the yes pile. I'm working out if you're in the maybe pile or the no pile. So just give me what I want really quickly and easily and you've got more chance. So top tip also is give Em what she wants. Yes. <laughs> That's a life tip. That's just a life tip, I reckon. Apply to all. And I I think it kind of links to one that I've got. My number two is keep it simple. So um, as we're going through so many applications, I would say keep it simple down to one page cover letter and three pages for your resume. That's a max. I Mm. really don't like reading a five-page resume. As a candidate, sometimes we can look Uh, and think that we need to include all of our experience and and a lot of detail. But to me, that's quite counterproductive because we want to be able to get to very quickly, here's the core things that I've done and here's how they relate to the role. And so your resume, if you keep it simple, make sure you're connecting it to the role, it'll do just that rather than putting in a heap of detail. Well, it's a good point. And just on how much detail to put in, tip number two from me is only go about back about 10 years in detail as far as those that experience or those roles that you've held. Uh, but at the same time, don't try and fill those three pages that we're saying can have as maximum if you're a new grad or if you're earlier in your career and you haven't actually had that much work experience. Don't fluff it out just for the sake of it. On that, M, we did have a number of um, new grads email through questions about what they can do to kind of, uh, I suppose, get that first job. Maybe they haven't worked in that industry before or, or had that level of experience. What would you recommend for those who are listening? So I think if on another day we had um, an opportunity and, and maybe we will to talk to what you can do to position yourself as a new grad entering the workforce, then I would certainly sort of ask you to rewind and, and maximise that time that you're spending while you're studying. But let's talk worst, worst case, so to speak, and let's say that you are coming out of that study without having a, a I guess, career role under your belt yet and you haven't been working towards that. Maybe you've been in casual work to support yourself to date. My recommendation to you would be, as I said, don't try and fluff it out. So let's start there. Let's absolutely use that casual or part-time or freelance experience that you have been collecting while you've been studying and include that on your resume. But let's also maximize your cover letter. So a cover letter is absolutely still relevant and this is your opportunity to tell a little bit more of a story, to talk to your motivations, to position yourself as somebody with a narrative around the value that you can add that employer and make yourself stand out where you might not be able to do that as well in a resume, use your cover letter to have somebody to read or to get somebody rather to read your resume and then have them want to invite you to interview. That's the ultimate goal. Nice. And I like that telling your story. Mm. I think Mm. that's such a good opportunity to use the cover letter in that way. Yeah. But still lots of white space. Yeah. (laughs) The balance. Yeah. One page cover letter max. And um, most of that won't be uh, words. And I think it's, it's kind of like, um, have a couple of goes at it. Yep. And then have someone else read it and make sure that they understand it and that they get it and that they don't get bored. Because if there's anything that 10,000 or tens of thousands <laughs> of resumes does to you, it makes you appreciate the, the one piece of gold and get pretty bored with the rest of the rubbish. So Em, as you're reading through hundreds of resumes, do you find there's ever times where you miss things or you have to skim read in order to get through them all? Oh, look, yes, absolutely. 
it's skim reading and that goes to my point earlier we have a few seconds and so it's all about I think I'm about to cover one of my other top tips but it's about writing it for your audience and your audience is me uh, and that's what we have to do to get by interestingly I think on the first part of your question there just around do I ever miss things I actually I think like anyone in their job you work out okay when am I fuzzy eyed when do I need to walk away? I think it's cup of tea time or I think it's change it up time. And um, there are times when I'll make sure that I uh, don't crucify me for this, but I might print resumes because I can remain more focused more easily and I can do a little bit of scribbling uh, to keep myself alert rather than if it's on the screen, I might glaze over. But I think I'm pretty good these days after all of these years at rec- self-recognizing time to take a break and come back to this um, later. Yeah, and it does require quite a bit of attention to detail. What are, I'm just interested, what do you scribble in the margins of the pages? What are you writing oh, down? Do you know what I'm circling when they get my name wrong? So on a cover yes. letter, it says Dear Emma or it says um, just a completely different name. Sometimes that happens. <laughs> or it says a completely different company uh, or, or job title. Yeah. yeah, so they get big circles. Um, I'm actually also putting sort of a... a tick cross or question mark on the top of a page so there's uh, you know this is pretty simple process but as I said earlier this is all about going into the no pile or the maybe pile and then on a second review getting from the maybe into the yes I want to call you and invite you to an interview pile and so I guess the goal is get on the maybe pile totally first goal maybe pile second goal yes pile and before I sit down to make calls to book those interviews I'm looking again and then once I, I I do more than one review as well of all of the applicants that come in so I'll never trust my first eye I'll always go back a second a third sometimes and even a fourth time to make sure um, look it's my job to pull good pieces of gold as far as um, those applicants or candidates go out of the pile and sometimes the best ones have rubbish resumes yep I absolutely do it is it how I would like to be doing it? No, I want you to make it easy for me because I'm only one person. And what if, you know, if I was to speak more generally, what if you get missed? You're the perfect candidate, but your resume sucks. Mm. And I think it's such an easy thing to fix. Totally. Like yeah. resumes are, are simple documents, easy to fix and can make you, I guess, go on the maybe pile and then later yep. to the yes pile, which is the goal. You, you mentioned your other top tip. I think it's, is it your first tip? Right for your audience? Yes, not for yourself. Oh my goodness. So um, we're going to have to get to some of your tips in a second, but while I'm on a little roll, so this is all about for me, letting go of your emotions. So a, a resume can feel like a really personal document. You pour over it, you put hours of work into it. You're invested for whatever reason. Maybe you want that job. Maybe you want to get out of your current job. So this has some life-changing consequences attached to it, this one piece of uh, paper. And what can happen is people can hold on to things that they really need to let go of because it's actually an emotional attachment. It's not the best thing for the audience. And so that can be due to the context. It can be due to the time. So it might be that that's actually something really outdated and, um, and it's time to just move on. But it's also your first impression. So it's your first chance. You don't even get to meet me or, or you know, someone else who's doing what I do. And this is your first impression. So you want to nail it. Nice. And I think it's getting back to removing things that are, that are unnecessary or un, unrelated to the job. But also I think, I think you're saying 
oh, I think it was on the My Millennial Money podcast where you said about don't put in your year eight. Oh, yes, like 100 meter sprint gold medal. Oh, my goodness. I got a few comments for that. that was, I enjoyed <laughs> that. I stand by it. I stand I, by it. 100%. Yeah. So, hey, what's your next tip? I've taken okay. over. No, no, no. My next tip is basically just getting someone to proofread it. This is so simple. Oh, yeah. But the amount of time that um, you invest, like you said, into writing your resume, but then there's typos and really basic typos. Just getting fresh eyes, someone else to read it, review it can be all the difference. Because when you've worked on something for a long time and uh, you've written this document and you've refined it, you become familiar with it and you miss certain uh, details, typos, errors, wrong names. Have you seen those ones? Um, sorry, Shell. Have you seen those ones where they say really good attention to detail and then they have mistakes? <laughs> detail you- spelt D-E-E-D-E-T. <laughs> A-L-E. Yes. They are good and I've seen more than one. Yeah, and I think that's always – it's just – it's really encouraging. <laughs> attention well, to detail spelt wrong. At least if I spot it, it tells me I'm still paying attention. That's right. You've, you've still, you're still operating out of that high attention to exactly. detail. Exactly. It's not do. time for a tea break yet. That's it. And I think, I think um, just getting someone else to fresh eyes, have a look at it, can make all the difference. The other thing I used actually when I was studying was Grammarly. Have you used Grammarly? Yeah, I have. I have. It's awesome. Uh, it's shameless plug, but so good. And you just, yeah, anyway, Google it, Grammarly. It can proofread your documents and change your life. It's definitely changed mine. <laughs> <laughs> might be an overreach. Well, does, no, if it gets you a bang on resume, that's, right. that's life-changing. You that's might right. get the job all thanks to Grammarly. That's it. I think so. So anyway, that's my next one was get someone to proofread it. Nice one. So, all right, my next one. Um, look, I think still on the content of a resume and I think this might be my second last. So I might do this and then we'll see what you've got left before um, my last one. But this one's all about evidence. So if we're talking about what you're actually including, maybe under, um, usually I, I'd suggest under the work experience, so under the roles that you've held, this is where I don't just want to see what you did as far as responsibilities in dot points. I actually want to know what impact you had. So for me, this might be in the form of achievements, still have some responsibilities for me there, but also show me what did you actually achieve? Uh, I think it's important when you're doing that though, Yes, we want it to be measurable, but don't overwhelm my eye, my human eye with numbers and acronyms to the point that it actually is really hard to follow. Definitely keep it measurable, but again, all about balance. And similarly with soft skills. So I can often see um, in a resume where people write soft skills and that's fine, but anyone can tell me that they can communicate well. I need you to prove it. So how you go about that is the real challenge, but worth taking the time to to achieve that. And active language can be a really, uh, really nice way to do that. So just on that, um, can you give me an example of what it means? Like we do see people write communications, for example, as a skill that they have, but don't have anything to back it up. What What would be helpful for someone? How would they back up that they have that skill? Yeah, good one. So I think as an example of um, a dot point that includes that active language, but also that measurable evidence. Well, let's use communication. So it might be that you write something to the effect of designed and facilitated 
workshop for 50 people, which resulted in an increase in XYZ. And you work out what is that actual XYZ as far as impact to the business? How did they improve the business? And that will be contextualized to the role that you're in. So it's really relevant, but also the role that you're applying for. So you want to start to use some of the language that you're seeing in the job advertisement, for example, so that the person reading, it catches their eye and they go, tick, it's active and you've owned it. Tick, it's measurable. And tick, it's actually had an impact that resonates with me because you're using the language that our business uses as I'm reading your resume. Nice. So evidence is everything. Totally. I like it. So my other tip was customize it to the job and employer. I know this sounds basic, but there are some really practical things that you can do to do this really well. So I always encourage people to align your resume to the business. So there's a few things like reading the annual report, having a really good research on their website. So look for the annual report if they have one jump on their website or their Instagram or their Facebook to get a sense of what is the brand, who is who is this business that I'm applying for, what do they value and align your resume to those values because um, one of the things that the intangible that an employer or a recruiter is looking for is that values alignment and if you can uh, communicate that say in your cover letter or in your resume based on your experience, that's a really good win and so showing that you've gone above and beyond uh, by reading the annual report, for example, is a great way to display, I guess, that initiative and that drive towards that um, organisation. So, Shell, what do, what's your advice? I know I have my opinion, but what would your advice be if you can't track down, for example, an annual report? So, I'm even thinking small business. Yeah, so I think social media is a great way to try and get a sense of the brand and the organization that you're applying for say it's a cafe so Mm. I'm trying to go for this job in a cafe and I see on their Instagram that they're really into sustainability as part of their business I'd be trying to align my resume to that where I see those things crossing over so um, yeah jumping on Instagram you can get a really good sense on Instagram I'll say it's a it's a small business that's a creative agency or design agency be looking at how do they um what kind of design elements they're using as part of their brand and how does that resonate with me? How can I then incorporate that into my application? And do you think also maybe if you know someone that works there, it'd be okay to, like, I'm thinking you could ask them for some insights? Totally. Getting that firsthand insight from someone as to what the organisation or the business is like is a great way to get an in and then a great way to see how you can tailor and customise your application and resume towards that business for sure what if you don't agree with that business so I mean maybe it's sustainability just to go back to your earlier example what if that's something that's just not on your radar or you don't you maybe you don't agree with it or you just it's not part of your life yeah and I think that's a good point do I lie should I lie (laughs) should should we lie uh yeah for sure absolutely not (laughs) short answer good glad you clarified that for me so one of the things that happens if you're going to get a job there and you're going to be spending 40 hours a week they're going to know you lied. <laughs> Ultimately, if you put it on your resume, I am an absolute advocate for sustainability, but you um, use plastic everything everywhere and have no care factor for sustainability. That's going to come out. Yeah, in, unless you're a budding actor or it's got some sort of extreme level of endurance. <laughs> and I think, I think workplaces um, bring about uh, stressful environments for everyone. And under stress, our true colours show. Oh, yeah, and that's so, a whole other podcast topic. <laughs> so you can be guaranteed that if you lie on your resume, it'll come out somewhere. Yeah, it won't so, be pretty. Okay. 
Good one. So that's customized to the job and employer. Yeah, beautiful. Now, do you want to go one more? Because I feel like I've only got one left and I think you've got two left. I here. think I do. I think yeah, you're right. I've been counting on each hand. Oh, have you? Yeah. That's the best way to count. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's the only way I count. Okay. Uh, follow. <laughs> this is why we've only done 10 because I've only got five fingers on each hand. <laughs> Keep it simple. That was one of my other points. Anyway, sorry. My number five tip and these are all out of order. I've got two more to go, but number five was follow the application process instructions. This is a biggie. And we were talking about this before and laughing because sometimes what happens, people want to kind of circumvent the process. Push in. That's right. Yeah, push in. Or they just don't see the instructions. So say it's submit your application on this website and upload your cover letter and so on. But then if I receive an email kind of directly with a resume um they haven't really followed the instructions and i in the back of my mind my kind of human behavior logic goes if they can't follow the instructions of the application can they follow the instructions of the job yeah and do you know what else my brain goes you've just made my life harder yeah so all of a sudden it's become more difficult purely because for me to deal with you because I now need to reply to you. I need to be really nice about it. And I need to ask you the same thing I've already asked you, which is please go back and follow the instructions, which are there for a reason. But it also makes it harder for me because that system that we have in place means that I won't miss you. I won't forget you. I won't accidentally lose you. And so that's in your benefit. It's not trying to take away the personal sort of component to us dealing with each other. But at this early stage, when there are hundreds of resumes for one job, let alone many, if you can do this for me, I promise you it will pay off for you. And I think that's a good point about the system. So sometimes um, as a candidate, uh, we may not be aware that the organisation has a system in the back end that means it structures it, the whole process, it makes it streamlined. But if you're not following that, um, it does create a lot of extra work. Yeah, and risk. It risks you being completely missed. Yeah. So mm. following the instructions seems simple and it is very helpful when you do so. All right, nice. Hey, um, what if I do my last one and Jump then you in. do yours? Yeah, sounds all good. All right, so this one's all about referees. Um, I think... Look, this probably the thing I'll, I'll add just on the application instructions is if you see application instructions that tell you to do something and it differs from these top tips that we're offering, please follow the application instructions. <laughs> they trump everything we're saying. But where there's not a specific instruction, that's where you can uh, listen to your mate, Shell and Em. Uh, so these, the referees. So this for me is one where I would say at the bottom of your resume, just have something that simply says referees available on request. Uh, some people prefer to leave that off. That's really no harm done either. But I guess my real point here is don't put the details of your referee on your resume. Now I'll explain. So that part of the process typically comes right at the pointy end. So you might be down to the sort of top two preferred candidates or maybe you're the preferred candidate and it's actually the final decision making hurdle before you get that job offer I'm talking generally speaking there'll be slight variations from time to time but most of the time this is how it's going to play out interestingly that final decision making hurdle is completely out of your control in that it's a third party verification so that hiring manager or that recruiter is going to go and talk to those people that you've offered as referees and find out about you If you have put those people on your resume at the point at which you're applying uh, with a resume, then basically we can judge you on that. 
we can do a backdoor check whether we should or not. I say we because we can. Um, and you lose a bit of control. If, however, you leave it or you leave it and you wait until you're asked for it, you have to have them ready to go so you're able to give them over to that resume, uh, that recruiter rather or that hiring manager really quickly, then it gives you some control in that you can prep those referees so you can call them and say, hey, uh, I think this person's about to call you in the next couple of days. Can you please be available on your phone really readily and can you tell them how wonderful I am? They've been really hammering me on communication. Uh, so it'd be great if you could remind them of this awesome thing I did. But it also gives you an indication of where you're up to in the process. So you can actually know, oh, okay, I must be down to the top candidate or the top couple of candidates. And so for the first time, you're starting to get a really clear picture of, uh, I'm actually in with a shot here. So that is yeah, a major one for me that I think will work in your favour. For a candidate, how should they prep their referee? Yeah, good one. Okay, so a couple of things. I'd say make sure they're going to be available. So giving them a call and and letting them know that this this will be coming. So they will need to um, answer their phone to a number that they don't know or listen to their voicemail and call them back because everything's sort of hinging. We're waiting for that conversation to happen so that we can get that offer over the line. So first thing I would say is check their availability. You can then communicate that back to the hiring manager or the recruiter that you're dealing with and be really proactive. I'd I'd certainly recommend that. The other thing you can do is you can send them a copy of the job advertisement, the position description, but at the same time, don't um, rely on them to read that. They might be a really um, busy person as, as most of us are. I think that's business as usual these days to have a lot going on. So you're probably also using that phone call as an opportunity to give them a few key points to what's the job title, who is it with, and maybe what is the, in one or two sentences, the the point of the role, what's the purpose. And it also allows you to, uh, as I touched on a little bit earlier, remind them of some of the really awesome things that you did in the time that you were working with them. Because particularly if it's been a couple of years, maybe it was your second last role, uh, they might just need a little freshen up because it's coming out of the blue. That's awesome. I think that's great to give them that info about what the job entails. That's a big one. So my last one is contact information. Oh, I think this is um, something that gets overlooked and so one of the things when you're getting down to you've been put in the maybe pile you're getting looked at for the yes pile we want to be able to see quickly and um, easily your phone number your email address it might be your LinkedIn profile URL as well and that making sure that your email address is professional we were laughing at cat mama at yahoo or purple gal or purplegal.com. <laughs> that's right. Um, so I've seen worse for what it's worth. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, much, that's encouraging. Much at least. worse. Much worse. Oh, yeah. good. That's another episode. That's a different. Yep. Yeah, different. This is PG. <laughs> okay. <laughs> there you go. So make sure that your contact information is easy to find. So we want it. Um, where would you? Where would you like it on the resume? The top of the first page, please, 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 because it saves me from having to scroll down on the computer screen, and it saves me from having to turn the page if I happen to have it printed. Nice, and I think um, a couple of other things around contact information or just your personal information is to make sure that you don't have more than one number listed. So don't have your home and your mobile. Just have your mobile straight up easy. I don't know that people have home home numbers anymore, but don't. you don't need to have it on mm-mm, there. Mm-mm. We don't need it. Um, set up a professional voicemail. This is a big one. So have a professional voicemail and check it regularly. Yes, actually, um, that's a good one, especially if you're job searching, funnily enough. That's right. And 
Unless you're Glenn James, who's the president and CEO of this company, <laughs> My Millennial Money, who his voicemail, interestingly enough, is something like, I never check my voicemail. Do not call me. And you know what? If he was looking for a job, I'd probably suggest strongly <laughs> that he changed it. But since he's not. Yeah, well, he's got, he a, do what he he's likes. got a job. Professional podcaster. Oh, that's right. I forgot. And president of My Millennial Money. Anyway, so make sure you have a voicemail set up and you actually check it. And no personal details that can lead to discrimination. So this is really important. We don't want to have your birthday, your religion, your marital status um, anywhere on your resume because those things can be used to discriminate against you. Say um, age, they might be, this company might unwittingly be looking for a young person. Don't put uh, your age on there. It's just, it's just not helpful in my mind. What do you... I completely agree. I completely agree. And I think that this plays a little bit into some of the unconscious biases that as humans we can have. Yeah. This whole process is about trying to get yourself in front of the employer for an interview. So don't risk reducing the chances of that when it it doesn't add any value. I often think of resumes as what is relevant to the role that you're applying for. Those things are not. And so I think this is a good one on that uh, relocation. So I was going to ask you about address because you didn't mention, you mentioned email yeah, and phone number. I was so going to ask what you thought about the home address, so to speak. I wouldn't put it on there. Neither would I. Why would you not? Because I think, so say I um, live in Newcastle and yep. I'm going for a job in Sydney. You're I wouldn't t- yeah. put, I wouldn't put my, I don't want to have any barrier to getting the role. Yeah, so okay. Yep. Actually, if I'm applying for the job, the the emphasis is, and I guess the assumption is, sorry, that I'm going to relocate or I'm going to make the commute work or whatever. That's not the employer's issue. That's mine to work out as the applicant. And I think, I think in my mind, I don't like having the address on there because employers may unconsciously go, oh, they live two hours away. They're not going to be able to make it work. Or dare I say consciously, because you just all of a sudden become that little bit harder or you're at risk of feeling that little bit harder and they start to go, okay, well, there's another question or another few questions I'm asking myself about this person. And if I'm picking between two, I'll take the one that seems easier and you're missing out on the chance to get in front of them and convince them otherwise. So I completely agree with you. Uh, what about photo? Uh-huh. This, is the, <laughs> this is the contentious one. Okay, so we differ on this. Yeah, I'm a no photos. You're a no photo. Yep. I um, I am a only do a good photo if you're going to do a photo. What's a good photo? Not a bad one. Oh. <laughs> Are you looking for the hot person? I'm not you... looking for a photo of someone that they've cropped from a nightclub with right. like, you know, I'm not looking for that. Okay. All right. So... To the point earlier we were chatting on around birthday, religion, marital status, age, those details, are we at risk of the same thing with a photo? Oh, Is there discrimination or risk Definitely. Of? Okay. <laughs> so I think... So I, do I win this argument? Are we just going to scrap the photos? I don't have... I don't really mind either way. I just don't want it to be bad. But I think on in LinkedIn, you have a photo anyway. Mm. So, so when... Yeah. So when you say bad, you're talking about the quality of photo. That's right. The, I want it to be professional. If you're going to yep. put a photo, do something professional. Otherwise, people do discriminate mm. on that basis. Mm. And I think I think you don't need a photo on your resume. You really don't. But if, if you do want to put a photo on there for whatever reason, make sure it's a professional one. Get a good camera. Get someone to take it who is good at taking photos and... It goes, same goes for your LinkedIn profile. You want it to be a quality photo. You don't want to have 
I guess you want to look professional and aligned to whatever industry you're working in. Well, yeah, and that's a good topic to pick up when we talk about professional branding or personal branding perhaps too. Yeah, totally. All right, so let's just rattle those off. Super summarised, my five, write for your audience, not for yourself. Go back only about 10 years in detail. Evidence is everything. White space exclamation mark. And uh, keep those referees up your sleeve. Nice. And so my top five. One is customise it to the job and employer or business. Two, keep it simple. One page cover letter, three page resume, max. Get someone to proofread it is number three. Number four, contact information. Don't put anything on there that they can use to discriminate against you. Pretty simple. Photo, no photo. No photo. your own adventure. (laughs) And then follow the application process instructions. Please. Please, indeed. So that's resumes and cover letters, top tips from Em and Shell. And hang around for next episode which is interviews interviews because you've got this amazing resume we're going to get you an interview and then we're going to tell you how to nail that that's it went from the maybe pile to the yes pile didn't you ever woohoo all right see you next time i don't i don't really have a preference either way i realize Okay, good. Well, I'm glad you got something out of this episode. (laughs) (laughs) We can cut that part out. I might leave it. Anyway, photo, no photo. Who knows? Just make it a good one. No photo. No photo. On LinkedIn, if you got half a shot, but yeah. This has gone to trash. Now we've got. Yeah, we're gonna. You're gonna. That's Glenn Jays, our CEO. <laughs> um, okay, where are we now? So we've said no. Fo- I think that's the we've last. We've gone one. through our five. So now, yeah, do so we want to wrap up? Bring it home. Bring it home, Shell. Yeah. Bring it like you go up your four point five points each. Maybe. So do you want to run? Through? Yeah. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more, with Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.